Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What is the key to slowing Jokic? Guarding him as a team with all five guys. You know, he does everything so well. And um, we're going to have to be in the gaps. We have to gain rebound. You know, we can't have defensive lapses, and we're just going to have to get after it. I think at the end of the day, um, he's a major key, as DJ Khaled would say, and um, we're going to have to lock in. Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Jimmy Butler finding out he's old by using slang from seven years ago. Major key. Major key. Mm. That was like seven years ago. 2000 late is what that is. Hey. And I found out that 2017 was back in the day today. That's what I found out. Really? Yeah. Is that a B96 shift? No, no, no. My wife. <laughs> Some Somebody wanted Taylor Swift tickets, and they were like, you gave me tickets back in 2017, and they sent me this picture. Yeah. And I sent it to my wife, and I was like, damn, look how I looked in 2017. And she's like, oh, my God, you 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 were good looking back in the oh, day. Oh, no. Back in the day. And I said, first That's of- like a Double dagger right there. Basically, one, because I've gained 25 pounds as a dad. And two, because 2017 is like... It's not back in the day. Tyler, 20, you're, you're the youngest guy here by by far. 2017 back in the day? I mean, I would even count that back in the day, but it's... Day. I mean, think about it. That's what I'm saying. When you're That's 27... time ago. When you're 27 and you're thinking back to being 20... Yeah, that's back in the day. If you're 29 and you're thinking back to when you graduated college when you were 22, that's back in the day. I guess it is. Yeah, because it's just experiences. Back in their day. In their day, right? Because that is the day. That was yesterday right. for me. <laughs> that was yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, right? <laughs> for me. Back in uh, the day. Uh, but Jimmy Butler used to be a bull back in the day, and now he yeah. is going to be in the NBA Finals, taking on the Denver Nuggets. That tips off at 7:30. Ah, probably be like 7:40 ish. Um. An interesting, interesting NBA Finals. I believe it's the like fifth longest odds for any favorite. Um, I think they're like it's just disgusting what they are. Denver's favored by eight and a half to win this first game. That's crazy for an NBA Finals, right? But as I was just down the hall with Rich Wyatt, just down the hall with Sonic from One Hundred Four Jams, and they both thought that Miami was going to take Game One. Mm. Because of the layoff. Now, there's two statistics, Mark Grody, that I could point to that would give me reason to believe that Denver still going to win this game. But before we get there, do you think Miami somehow has, to, has some magic powder left over from their Eastern Conference run 
to take, you know, one or two, maybe three or four from the Denver Nuggets? Mm-mm. I, I look at it as instead of, wow, look what they've overcome and look where they are. They're not going to stop these guys. they got momentum. I'm looking at it as they're going to run out of gas at some point. Like They've gone maximum mm, effort, point. maximum stress level to get to where they are. And guess what? They have met their match now, talent-wise, a team that is, as you, know, you pointed out, a team that is now going to be well-rested. It reminds me a little bit of the year that Allen Iverson mm. led the 76ers to the finals, okay. and then they either won, either got swept. Was it against San Antonio or, or the Lakers? One of the two, I think. Lakers. And they either got swept. Yeah, they got swept or maybe won one, but they... They got the. It was just unbelievable performances by Allen Iverson and that seventy sixers team. Was it Snow? GT JT Snow. No, JT Snow played for the uh, San Francisco. Eric Snow. Eric Snow was on that team. Yes, Eric Snow, and they were maximum effort, and it was phenomenal. Derek Coleman. Derek Coleman, (laughs) Syracuse guy. They overcame all of this, and then once they got the finals, was like, okay, fun's (laughs) over, boys. Kobe and yeah, the guys. And there was actually, if I remember correctly, there was a young Kobe Bryant Lakers team that also got smoked almost in similar fashion, maybe again by San Antonio. It's always a good bet that it was a San Antonio team (laughs) or Lakers team that was in it at that time. But that's the way I look at it. I look at it as, okay, this has been a fantastic run, an improbable run by Miami. Jimmy Butler, if he wasn't already a superstar, has shown the world that he's a superstar to be reckoned with. Eric Spolstra is a 10 as a head coach, but I think that it's – I'm not so sure I agree with our good friend Sonic and uh, Rich Quiet Riot. Yeah. I. Uh, Where are you at it? Oh, I'm 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 Nuggets and four. Okay, so I should not put nuggets any money down. I should not put any money down on the upset tonight. Or maybe I should, right? Maybe take the points. Yeah. Eight and a half is yeah. nice, t- okay. tempting. But you know, maybe you take Denver by like – or you move it to, you know – a few shackles. Ten and down. a half, you know, okay. move with some of that. But here, here, here are the two stats, Mark Grody, which are damning for the Miami Heat. Damning! The Denver Nuggets, and th- these are things that contribute, like, or the they are the counter-argument to, well, they've had too much time off. Because I asked Anthony Heron yesterday, mm-hmm. like, is that a thing? Is that really a thing? Like, these guys are professional athletes that are in the prime of their <laughs> lives. Like, is a couple extra days really bothering anybody, you know? It's like, yeah, you know, rhythm, it does affect you, you know, all this other good stuff. And I said, okay, but here, here, here are some stats for you. The Denver Nuggets are first in the NBA in field goal percentage. First. High-quality shots, high-percentage shots. Jokic facilitates a lot of that. The other one is assists per game, not just by Joker, but by the entire team. They are second in the NBA. So that, that lets me know you move the ball well. So not only are you creating, you know, high percentage shots, but you move the ball well. So to me, rust doesn't affect those. Rust doesn't af- rust time off doesn't affect the ability to move the ball until you find a good shot. And the fact that their starting lineup is full of scorers, guys that can put the ball in the bucket, it's just going to be hard for Miami to kind of compete with something like that when the counter, right, to where like where is Miami in those statistics? Miami, when it comes to field goal percentage, 26th. You know what I'm saying? Like 30th in points per game, 25th in assists per game. 
It's like, bruh. And 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 Denver's fourth in three point shooting per game. So I just it's like they've been doing it consistently all year long. They've been doing it in the playoffs. I was trying to tell anyone that would listen, Jamal Murray's back. Jokic doesn't have the MVP pressure on his shoulder. And he's just he's playing like the best player in the NBA. Yeah, no, they're I mean, that's really well laid out. And it Miami has to have to just get really ridiculously hot. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you see so many games in Miami. Like, maybe just because I've watched Bulls Heat play too many, more last <laughs> year times. than this year, where like a Max Struess yeah. just starts banging home every single three. Breaks your heart. Yeah. And obviously, Caleb Martin play, is going to play a huge role. But sometime, that's what that's what I think Miami would be depending on. Even tonight, like, the, their only chance is to just get ridiculously hot from three. And as you just laid out right there, their shooting is not prone to getting super hot. Just it's tough when so, you're looking at the squads. Yeah, but a, I mean, most people think it's going to be a gentleman sweep. But what Jimmy Butler has been doing in these playoffs and over the course of the last couple seasons, actually, it really is impressive. I mean, from him telling you know Coco Golf before the p- playoffs began that he's going to get her some NBA Finals tickets, which fluff sounds like Jimmy. It's like what you would say, but it happened. Here we are. Like, but we're here. We have arrived, and he has to hold up to the end of the on the bargain for saying something like that. <laughs> And he has been playing well. So you tip your cap to him. And that's what everybody's been doing, right? Giving giving credit to Jimmy, to Spolstra, to Pat Riley. Spo. Just call him Spo. My bad. Spo. Spo. People, people giving everybody credit like yep. that. Like, that makes sense, right? Yep. But the Nuggets are here. And people are like, oh, it's, not, it's not a sexy NBA Finals. It's not sexy enough. You know? And I'm like, well, I love what Joker said when, he was, when they asked him why he didn't go to college. He said, the guys there jump too high. And they play way too fast. And I don't jump high. I just play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. That is true. That's a great It does, quote. man. Now that you bring it up, this Miami season or where they are right now, yeah. it does feel like career achievement award time. Like, like there's three guys right now that are getting their due with everybody. Everybody's doing a lap for Pat Riley, mm-hmm. for Eric Spolstra, and Jimmy Butler. And so... There's another reason why I would not expect them to win the finals because it's kind of like they're taking they their bows. Yeah, <laughs> they did it already. Like it's and they're all three going to walk yeah. away looking great, no matter what happens. Oh yeah, they're all three, no matter what. They're all in different categories now, yeah. aren't they? Jimmy Butler has definitely ascended to a place that even he did not think he would reside it's, in. Exactly. And I asked Stacy King last week. I said, you know, does Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler a Hall of Famer? You know, because you gotta, you kind of have to start asking that question. She's getting there. I mean, it's You're not exactly a high, high bar to clear. It seems like to make the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. So I think Jimmy Butler will be in. You and Stacey King, it's literally mirroring each other's thoughts. Really, that's my guy. We're kind of on the same level with stuff like that. I'm always wanting give me shots. the hot sauce. Yeah, well, that's I wanted to. I before he ever said it, I wanted to yell out, "Give me the hot sauce." So we think the same. <laughs> yeah, you guys probably said it at the same yeah. time. For my poster first. machine. I was I was the first person yeah. to say poster oh, machine. Oh yeah, at uh, Hallis Hall. For some of the guys over there. Uh, but he did say it. He said the bar is low. He said that the Hall of Fame is different in the NBA than other yeah. sports. He said, Jimmy, you know, if he can get to the finals, he said, he'll probably cement something like that. He's just been doing it consistently for a couple of years now. So it's it's really impressive. Um, but you don't want to just throw away what the Nuggets are doing. No. Because- no. And the idea that, like, 
it's not a compelling series, like right, like because it's Denver. Shut yeah. up. This this is like one of the great centers of or big men of this generation. Period. Most. Ta- And Grody always says that when I do a good tease, he'd be like, "Ooh, that boy is good." Oh yeah, and I, I do always, say that. He says "yo" at the end, though. I do say a lot of "yo." Just happens, <laughs> just, man. That's just sick. That's it. just the way I talk. I like it. Two eighteen is the over under Groats. Okay, Miami obviously, you know, used to playing some good defense. What do you like? What do I like? You like the okay, I, go over? You know why? No, I'm gonna go under. Over because Miami's gonna be like we got like they know that they know that they got to score, so they're gonna come out. Denver's gonna be Denver, and Miami's gonna come out flinging shots up because that's their only chance of winning tonight. Especially Denver plays good defense. I think that you know they, they're a better defensive team than most people give them credit for, and I think that Miami's just gonna be scoring around where they score, and then if there's any rust from Denver. And that brings down the total as well, right? Oh, yeah. So, okay. you know, maybe it's like a, you know, 112, 112.98 mm. kind of a situation. I could totally see it being I could be. I could see it being that kind of a situation. Yeah. So, By the way, do you know that you... Me? You, me, and Anthony Heron are going to be doing a big bulls weave coming up here on... Uh, Thursday, June 22nd. That happens to be the NBA draft. All three of us are going to be on the show together? I have been told that, no, no, guess what I'm putting on? I'm putting on my old Bulls reporter cap. I will be stationed at the, is it the Advocate Center? I will be at the Advocate Center while you and Anthony Heron are doing a show. So, And you guys could check in with me. We can hang out. We can but talk the Bears. the Bulls don't have any picks. I know. I'm like, what are we talking about here? I don't know. What are you going to be? We, we, I don't know. I'm there just in case. Well, because there's, there's going to be people. There's an interview. undrafted free agent that no one knows about, Gabe. <laughs> going to be like, uh, all right, girl. You know we'll what? get back to you later, Grody. Yeah, if, if I was a, a younger, less secure reporter, and you just said to me, what are you going there for? There's nothing to do. I'd be really upset. But oh, you, but now that I'm thinking about it, like, what? Good question. <laughs> I think I'm just monitor. I think I'm there in case something crazy happens. Like in case Bulls trade, yeah, twenty fifth pick. They don't want it. We oh, because the be. Bulls could get the twenty fifth pick from Portland via the Knicks, right? So something could happen. And plus, they will talk. Our tourists will talk. Mark Eversley will talk. Okay. They might even have Billy Donovan to talk. Maybe they'll have a representative player to talk. Okay. So I, if you guys want to call me, we just talk bears from the bulls. I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that might just happen unless something happens. Mark Grody live from the United Center. It's draft night. NBA coverage nonstop. Bro, what's going on with Justin Fields? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, hey, let's talk about the bulls draft next year when they have a first yeah, round yeah, pick. Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah, I don't think uh, that. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. What? All I'm right. going to be there. I'm going to be reporting, and we can talk about the Bulls or not. All right. Well, coming up next, we got Michael Cerami from Hallis Hall ready to talk Cubs. Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd want to talk Bears, too. Uh, yeah, he's going to uh, come, coming up next. We have uh, Michael Cerami tell us all about uh, his thoughts on the series win versus the Tampa Bay Rays and what is his concern level with Justin Steele's forearm. We'll talk to him. Mm. Uh, right after this, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's Mark Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And the 3-2. Swing and a drive. Left field over to Rosarena. And he makes the catch. And the ball game is over. Gomes pulling one down the left field line. A hard hit ball. A Rosarena ran over, made a running catch, and the ball game is over. Tampa hangs on to win by a score of four to three. It's Gabe Ramirez and Mark Grody on six seventy. The score in Odyssey Station. Live and local for your listening pleasure. It is G and G, Gabe and Grody here on six seventy. The score broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And now we get to talk a little Cubs. You and I, we haven't had to, we haven't had a chance to do that yet over the course of the first hour and a half here. Not a peep yet. Cubs starting a four-game series at San Diego tomorrow and then on to the Angels and the Giants. So some real stuff coming up. And in keeping with the theme of making our guests uncomfortable at the very beginning of uh, bringing them on, somebody um, texted in and said, I'd be more comfortable with a giant chicken playing with my kids as opposed to the ultra <laughs> Priest, the Padre. Oh, remember yeah. when we were having the conversation? Yeah. The chicken or the Padre? Yeah. Oh, wow! You're putting the Padre there. I got you. Uh, hey, shout out to eight four seven. That's a great text yeah. message. All right, joining us now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Uh, of course, he runs Bleacher Nation. Uh, he's affiliated with Obvious Shirts. Make sure you guys go pick those up. Uh, and he's just a Chicago guy through and through, uh, Michael Sarami. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I, I'm feeling better when I thought that introduction was coming after me. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I'm glad we didn't do that, Mike. I, I wanted to spare you, yeah. you know, but I, I wanted to add some Because before, I don't know if you were listening, or you probably weren't listening an hour ago, but uh, the text line has dubbed us the G-spot because it's Gabe and, and Grody, you know, double G there. Mm-hmm. And so now when we welcome guests to our our show now. <laughs> what do you think about the name the G Spot? No, I don't I don't have a comment on that. Uh, you guys are breaking up. What are you saying there? I, it's hard to hear you. All right, then tell us what's going on with Justin Steele. Is he broken? Is Justin Steele broken? What's going on? No, I, I think he's um there's some cautious optimism there. So uh for those that don't know, he came out of the game early yesterday with a little forearm tightness. Um, the early dose of optimism is the David Ross and the trainer came out and checked on him, let him finish the inning. Uh, and then he came back. Uh, he didn't come back out the next inning, though. But if he had been feeling it, uh, which he said he wasn't, they would have taken him out right then and there. Went and got uh, MRI today. Uh, and, you know, it's not like there's 
it's never a good thing, right, to get an MRI to feel anything in your forearm. But uh, there's apparently cautious optimism that he might just miss one start. Um, I actually talked to him for a second yesterday, and he said he's good, and it was just precautionary. Um, so, you know, the early the early sign of the early word of the day is cost optimism. We'll see, though. I mean, we've been burned by this sort of thing a billion and a half times in the past. And Amen. players always, always feel better than the doctors say they are. So, you know, I wouldn't get too uh, ahead of ourselves. And certainly losing Justin Steele would sting, um, not only because uh, he's an amazing pitcher and has been absolutely fantastic this season, um, but also because you're forcing probably Hayden Wesneski to step into that role, which is fine and great, but he had also just come back up to bolster the bullpen. So now you're taking a hit in the rotation going from Steele uh, to Wesneski and also a hit in the bullpen going from Wesneski, who I think, you know, first of all, he looked great yesterday in his, yeah. um, you know, su- basically surprised to start, but um, going from him to whomever they're going to backfill him with. So it's really not ideal. If it's just one start, you can get by. But uh, the Cubs had just made that move for Wesneski, so losing him, it, it's, it would just be a big bummer and probably prolong some of that pain in the bullpen that we've been feeling. Yeah, you just don't like your pitcher saying, you know, there was throbbing in the arm and, you know, then saying he's all right in the very next sentence, right? I mean, that's just something that you're not anticipating. But, you know, the Cubs, fortunately, you know, do have arms that can step in. And, you know, when you're talking about giving innings to guys like Wesneski so that he can right the ship and be someone that can contribute in the future – then, you know, these are the instances that you're you're anticipating because they do come up in the course of a 162-game season. Now, the Cubs obviously uh, taking down the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's go to the first game, Michael. I mean, obviously, Stroman throws a friggin' gem. You know, uh, is it because he took the braids out and his hair is just free-flowing now? Or what do you think is working for Stroman uh, that he's had some good outings these last couple times out? <laughs> yeah, I liked the different look. It was good. Uh <laughs> You know, I think Stroman would tell you he would. He's a he hams it up for the Chicago uh, fans. He says it's all about the fans, the energy at Wrigley. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to get in his head, but uh, I have been at Wrigley. It does get loud, and he is the type of guy that does seem to feed off that sort of the way Javi did. I mean, would anyone argue that he didn't live off of that? No. I mean, some guys are like that, right? They they just tend to perform. But uh, Stroman is is he's he's really not doing anything. Special. When I say special, I mean, you know, unique to what the best version of Marcus Stroman has been throughout his career. He's just locked in with his command. His velocity is good. He's getting a ton of ground balls, a ton of weak contact, and, and he's durable and goes long through every game. He's really athletic. He's able to repeat his mechanics. I mean, he is like exactly the sort of guy that when he's on, you can just close your eyes and you know what you're going to get. He's not quite... You know, uh, maybe even if the results are at this level, he's not quite one of those guys that you consider like a true ace in the league. But boy, is he just like an absolute consistent um, pitching at an all-star caliber level pitcher for the Cubs this year. And it's really great to watch. And uh, it's a lot easier when you don't call on your bullpen because he goes all nine innings. Kind of yeah. like that happy, that happy Gilmore line. Like, I should just try to get it in one shot every time. <laughs> Way easier than punting. Take matters into your own hands. Exactly. Well, Let's stick with the the starting rotation and Kyle Hendricks, and it kind of blows me away to think, unless my math is off, that this is Kyle Hendricks' 10th year um, with the Cubs. And he made his second start 
since being activated on Tuesday, a Cubs win and a Hendricks win. Five innings, one run, six hits, three strikeouts, three walks, 75 pitches in that game. What I'm wondering, Michael, is can Kyle Hendricks, do you think that it is in the cards that Kyle Hendricks could again be a slam dunk top of the rotation guy? Like I'm not necessarily a number, well, maybe a number one or a number two, or are those days over for Kyle Hendricks? You know, uh, so I, I don't want to, I almost hate that you led the, the Hendricks segment off that way because I don't, I do think <laughs> those days are behind him. Um, I don't think that's who he's going to be ever again, but uh, you know, I liked what I saw in his last start and honestly, even his first start, it was kind of like both sides of the coin. I thought his, um, his velocity was back up to where it was like a few years ago uh, before he got hurt and it started to slow down and that helps a lot because it creates separation from his changeup, which is like his big out pitch. But I, I really loved uh, to see how much command he has. Um, he was absolutely painting the corners and the edges of the strike zone. And he was actually squeezed a little bit. And had he gotten some calls in his favor, I think his results would have looked even better, maybe last a little bit longer. And frankly, I kind of thought the same thing happened in his first start. And it's just that the, the luck bounced the other way. So I think he had two pretty similar, like underlying performances and one just looked a little bit better. So I'm pretty optimistic about him being able to contribute and it's, coming at a really great time, obviously, with injuries elsewhere in the rotation. So I wouldn't look to him to be the guy he was, you know, three, four years ago. I just – I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but if he could be a mid-rotation starter, give you five innings like he has uh, in his first two starts, and then you can deal with that. That's that's useful. That's good. Uh, that's what the Cubs will need. Um, but I, I guess I would pump the brakes on expecting a return to uh, the professor of old. But right. it's great to have him out there. I really, I really love that he's back. I mean, I just love watching him pitch. Um, and I think everyone does. He's no, just I, one of those guys I, that you can tell understands it. I get what you're saying, too, and it is conflicting, and it sucks, too. I understand what you're saying, too, when you said you didn't let you hate the way I put it because it sucks when you look at it and you say just the precision with the, with which this guy is pitched and the success that he has had with an arm that doesn't have velocity. And let's face it, Kyle Hendricks must be protected at all times. He is the last <laughs> of the 2016 Wait, player-wise, obviously you got the David Ross sitting in the dugout, but it really like when he when he was activated and pitched that first game, like I felt something. Did you cry? It, it was like this old like because the Cubs are rebuilding, not not even like emotional necessarily. Okay. It was just weird to have that back because the Cubs are in the midst of this this rebuild, and oh, there he is. This was a twenty six back in the day. This is back in the day. That's what we were talking about earlier. Michael. Back in the day. So Kyle Hendricks must be protected. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think about I be, think about Kyle Hendricks, and I think you touched on it a second ago, Michael, uh, where you know he is going to be able to contribute, and it is perfect timing for him. But it also is perfect timing leading up to the trade deadline. And I think that when you're looking at a lot of the assets that the Chicago Cubs have and can move, uh, is he someone that you look at and look towards moving to get something in return because of the depth and the pitching rotation for you? Uh, yeah. So he sort of, he is certainly one of those guys. Let me, let me make this even simpler. Uh, every pitcher is going to be a sought after piece of the deadline, starting pitchers, especially relievers are the easiest to move. They are, um, the, the, in the highest demand, but there's also the most of them starters tend to be 
and a little bit less demand. Uh, the Cubs, if it does go that way, which I, you know, I really hope it doesn't. It would be three <laughs> selling deadlines in a row. But I love your Homer also, heart showing through, Michael. That's my favorite part about this interview today. <laughs> <laughs> I always will be, but uh, but you know, I also can I can I can do math. I know where they stand in the division. I know that uh, the toughness of the schedule coming up. So if it does come to that, uh, there's going to be guys like Marcus Stroman, Drew Smiley, Kyle Hendricks. All three of those are are guys that could theoretically be traded. Um, the the difference there, so obviously Stroman uh, and Smiley have been you know performing a lot better more consistently lately than Hendricks, but they also have opt-outs in this uh, coming offseason, whereas Hendricks has um, a club option. So that kind of tilts the value um, just in that one aspect of a potential deal for any of them in his favor. The opt-outs help uh, are, are bad for trade value because if, they get hurt or stop performing. They can just opt back into their deal for one more year, but if they're doing great, then they can leave. Right. So that's a little bit hard to match up on value. Whereas Hendricks, it's up to the team to decide uh, the, the trading, the, the, the team that's acquiring him to decide whether they want to keep him or not. So the powers in their court. So I do think he's the kind of guy that could be traded. And at this point, after trading Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and, you know, trying to trade Contreras and trying to trade Hap and trading you Darvish. I mean, is are we really believing that they would hold back Kyle Hendricks? Of course not. Of course he'll be available if it comes to that. Um, and I just hope it doesn't. You know, I really don't. I really do. And at the same time, if he's pitching well enough to be desired by a team that's heading to the playoffs, are we going to root against that? No. Right. I mean, I would love to see Kyle Hendricks pitch for the Cubs forever and, and play in another World Series but um, for the Cubs. But if he's got a chance elsewhere, you know, that's the tough decisions that I'm happy I don't have to make. What about Justin Steele? Assuming he's healthy and it's all good, is he an untouchable? Untouchable. Untouchable. Don't okay. even need to elaborate. He's okay. not going anywhere. He is yeah. awesome. I got he's you. the guy that we thought could be this guy coming into this year. Immediately became that guy under cheap team control for a long time, is still young, absolutely no reason to move on from him. Um, fits perfectly alongside guys like Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner and Ian Happ and Suzuki. They're all roughly the same age. That's your core. Um, that's the kind of guy that can bridge uh, a rotation until the next time the Cubs are competitive. So in my opinion, absolutely no way that he's uh, moved under almost any circumstance. I mean, you know, if there's somebody out there that wants to get completely crazy, sure, you know, you never say never, but that's not going to be something to explore. We're talking to Michael Sarami from Bleacher Nation here on 670 The Score, Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody. Um, I want to pick your brain about this one. I've been thinking about this for the last two days, and it's moving Cody Bellinger at the trade deadline so that that way you finally have a place to put Christopher Morrell every day. I mean, you saw him play center field a lot last year. Uh, is that a position you're comfortable giving him the keys to every day? And especially if that means uh, moving on from Cody Bellinger? Well, uh, I do think Cody Bellinger is the type of guy that could be moved at the deadline. I think um, rental bats rarely get big returns, and they also um, are not always as expensive as Bellinger is. He's making $18 million this year, so he's not completely cheap either. Um, but he's obviously been playing well. We'll see how he comes back from this injury. Is Return date has passed, so still waiting to see how that shakes out. But um, I think, you know, maybe Morrell gets some chances there, but I don't think that's going to be a long-term spot for him. Uh, he's 
had some defensive struggles pretty much all over the diamond um, since coming up. And that's okay when his bat uh, is doing what it had been doing. But even that has been sort of struggling a lot lately. We have an article coming out tomorrow on a strikeout rate, which has ballooned in, in a lot of the worst ways possible. He's offering him more pitches out of the zone. He's whiffing on more pitches in the zone. It's His contact rate is down. His swing rate is up. His first pitch strike rate is up. It's like every single thing that you could be worried about on the offensive side stuff we were worried about uh, from him from last the end of last season is all kind of coming back over this last nine, 10 games, small sample, but it's a concern. And the defense, you know, it hasn't been great. We've seen them misplay balls in left field and Wrigley Field's uh, center isn't a particularly hard defensive center field relative to the rest of the league, but it's still center field. So, you know, I don't feel great about it, but um, if he's hitting, you could probably deal with it either way though. When I started this answer, um, gearing up towards is center field got uh, Pete Crow Armstrong's name written all over it, uh-huh. all over it, you know, as soon as maybe next year. Right. So yeah. like, sure. I don't think that's going to be a long-term answer, even if it was all fine. So in the short term, you could do anything you want. And sure. If they've traded Bellinger, then why wouldn't you start around center? But next year, I pretty firmly suspect we'll see PCA for a large part of that season. Yeah, Pete Crow Armstrong coming soon. Matt Mervis here right now. I think, Gabe, it might have been one of the last most recent times we worked when he was called up, and yeah. we essentially did a an hour's worth of Matt Mervis is called up, and we're excited and all that. And you, you should probably still be excited about Matt Mervis, but what have you seen with Matt Mervis? Because it hasn't uh, – obviously he, is, he has struggled for the most part at the big league level. Oh, my. Did they call him up? I must have missed it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, all the Mervises out there. Uh, I just, just wanted a little joke. It's been slow goings for Matt Mervis. Um, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of the questions people had about him, uh, which is what happens when you're a guy that kind of explodes, not entirely out of nowhere. He wasn't undrafted uh, signing for the Cubs, but it was the 2020 draft so there was only five rounds so he would have been drafted and he had a rough first season and then exploded last year and the strikeouts were some somewhat of a concern i think he hasn't quite found his footing yet i think the cubs have i think if you start to pay close attention to the lineups they're starting to protect him a little bit against some lefties which i think is the right thing to do especially while you got trey mancini around it's like you might as well platoon both of them give them a little bit of a leg up to get some momentum but it hasn't happened for for Matt Mervis yet. And uh, honestly, I, I think that I'm, it, it absolutely isn't his fault that the Cubs aren't uh, performing, but I do think that we were all expecting a little bit more of a lift and uh, what Matt Mervis theoretically offers power from the left side is exactly what the Cubs need right now. Um, especially with Cody Bellinger out for as long as he has been. So it's sort of a double whammy in that they are, uh, we're already lacking for left-handed power, lost Bellinger, and Mervis hasn't quite shown up yet. So it's been tough, but I mean, come on, would this be this, if he was the, if he's the first, he's the 1000th prospect to come up and have a slow start. Um, it pretty much always goes one of two ways with these guys, right? They have a red hot first two weeks mm-hmm. and then cool off as the league adjusts or they have an ice cold start <laughs> and then they figure things out along the way. It yep. never is just medium. It, it never is. I know. So, and you're so right. And, it, and, it, and we, and it's so, you're, you're so spot on with that. And it's funny how we just expect it. We expect everybody to come up and be but starting. The guys, Castro. they call them up. 
They yeah. called him up. He should be. Oh, yeah. right, right. Because, well, everybody feels entitled because he's been right. hearing about this guy. Oh, this Mervis guy. And then if he if he's not red hot, then it's like, oh, no, what do we have here yeah. now? But that's such a great point. The thing is, I, I'm all about, we're all about solutions here, not problems. Oh, and I'm telling you oh. what the solution oh, is. There's solutions over here. It is moving him up the lineup. Oh. You need a guy like Matt Mervis to have some sort of confidence. You hear the way he speaks. You hear the confidence he has in his own game. You slide him into that five-hole. Right, he was there though, right? When I haven't seen him there, I haven't seen him there. In wouldn't, he, a, wouldn't he essentially start there, Tarami? I don't. I, I know these last couple I, I games he has uh, not. He's been down in the line. I know because he sucked. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sorry, Mervises that are listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, again. Mr. and Mrs. Mervis. Yeah. <laughs> Michael said, but again, I think that's the solution. I think you know a guy that's not necessarily playing up to that ability. Sometimes you gotta you know give him that vote of confidence. Is hey man, you're gonna be our four or five guy. Maybe move Suzuki down a, a tab. Move Hap down. You know, something like that, and then then allow those guys to that guy to be in the space just to give him some kind. You got to do something. So even though he's on yeah, the same. I mean, if, go ahead. If Joe Baden was here, he'd be leading off uh, <laughs> yeah. the next week, right? Right, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. You got to do something to shake it up. I, I just did an entire article about um, a couple different ways they could shake up the lineup. Um, I did not have Mervis that high up, though that was my original intention. It's just, he's, I mean, he's just been ice cold. And yeah. I don't know if you can afford. Um, letting him work through that stuff when the rest of the team is just scuffling. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it. It's like, say, Suzuki is the one guy who's red hot. Yeah. I mean, he's been piping hot for over a month. He's been the most consistent offensive contributor lately. Um, Swanson, still great. Hap's still getting on base a lot, even though he's had a little bit of a colder stretch. Um, and so, you know, those are the guys that you kind of can't move. So then you're really talking, and they're batting two, three, four. You're talking about a leadoff or fifth, and it's like, okay, we can get there, but let's imagine a world where Cody Ballinger's around. Well, he's batting fifth, so you're already back at sixth. And I know it's like, how can we not have a spot for him and the lineup not be working? Yeah, those are two things that are hard to square, but it's kind of just the reality of this Cubs team is that they have a lot of pretty solid individual performances um, in the starting rotation and in the lineup, and they just have not brought it all together in large part in extreme part because of the untimely hitting in the highest leverage moments. But I don't know. Yeah, 17 left on base last game. It's a tough one. Hey, guys, if you want to read some of these articles that Michael Sarami is talking about, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Michael Sarami, and then make sure you check him out on Bleacher Nation as well. Michael, appreciate you hanging out with us this evening. Always fun to come on. Thanks for having me. Of course, Michael Sarami. Make sure you guys check him out again. Bleacher Nation, uh, helping out over there with obvious shirts, those guys. Uh, just a good dude, man. Chicago through and through. All right, Groats. Uh, let's get back on this uh, Bears train. I know you got a couple more cuts that we didn't get to, right? I do, yes. We're going to hear from Khalil Herbert. And you're going to hear a voice you haven't heard much of at all. And that is the defensive line coach, Travis Smith, who will tell you specifically what you can glean from these OTAs Ooh. where there's no pads, no nothing, and it's hard to glean stuff. So we'll we'll use Travis Smith for evaluating and enlightening. What's been gleaning? We'll tell you right after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez and Mark Grody on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Am I going right now? I am mesmerized by this music. Is this intentional or is this just in there? Is she here yet? Kind of intentional, but it happened to be in there. Swifty. I, I appreciate great production. 
And so when you throw in a Taylor Swift song, it's just like there there are some producers out there that are listening that are like, dude, tip your cap. That's good. really it's a tip of no shade, but why is it a tip of the cap to play a Taylor Swift? Because she's gonna intro. be here. So oh, starting tomorrow. Oh, okay, just the three, fact that his, three straight his days. mind linked up that she's yeah, here. Yeah, it's like oh, a subliminal little oh, shout out. Like it's like it's deeper. Like, I thought it was literally good musical production. Oh, and I'm like thinking, I'll do respect. I mean, this is a good song. Hey, Midnight. she's a winner, man. <laughs> I, if I I totally go see Taylor Swift. I would totally just to see. If what you got it's all six about. grand, well, exactly. Those are the tickets. This is what the tickets are right now. I mean, he, I'm. Go ahead. No, I'm just, I was just gonna say I'm like debating i'm still in like a this this weird debate about Lollapalooza and paying a grand to go to for to do the vip thing like i'm still fighting that do like not I, go to the do not go to Lollapalooza unless you're vip I'll just, so it's worth it oh a thousand percent. okay that is a win for my friend because little she tito's keeps, lemonade all day got you feeling good and you get a good vantage point of all the stages and when you're vip you get a little little golf cart that takes you from yeah, one stage to she, the other my friend told me she's like it's the dopest i i we, you know i've had the luxury of going to lala vip because of you know whatever the yeah. radio stations and stuff right i do sports so you know, <laughs> i get I, i've had a lot of vip in Man, sports but the, not in, the score and xrt are cousins i know no and, i've and, i've benefited from our relationship yeah. trust me but now but once you go vip you never want to walk with the peasants. Well, it's like the fast that pass is, at Great America, right? Yeah, like where you go to the front of the line. It yeah. is exactly like that. Okay, you, so, you, so that, that complicates the decision even more because now I'll never be able to go to Lollapalooza again unless I spend a grand. Ex- okay, you're, it's a bit of conundrum. <laughs> but you think I should just do it? Because I need to be put over the top on this. I one, think actually. that if uh, my thing is, if you are planning on going and you're, the, 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 the question is VIP or GA. Yeah, you're you're Mark Grody. You're straight, bro. You you know you got yeah. no wife. I know. No, I, I exactly. I mean, you are paying all the bills by yourself. No, but nobody depends on me for anything. You, so my you, entertainment you money's G, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't worried about no grand. I know that. <laughs> Plus, I started gambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won twenty seven twenty two yesterday. Uh, no, but yeah, definitely VIP. Definitely a lot of pools yeah, to make all sure right. you, you, you might have you, you might have just won the day for me. You might have. <sighs> but anyway, Bears, Bears. and Khalil Herbert. Is it is my expectation that he will be running back one? We talked to him about that possibility this year. And I come in with the mindset, you know, obviously I want to be the starter. So just coming in with the mindset of leading and doing what I got to do and, you know, doing what I do every day that I've been doing. And, you know, I feel like things will work out. So then they draft Roshan. Were you a little surprised when they then also drafted a back? Roshan Johnson. Um, your reaction? <laughs> Not really. Uh, just, you know, how things going in the NFL now, they're doing things running back by committee. So um, you need you need one, two, three really good guys uh, that can really carry the rock, and, you know, there's going to be no drop-off. So, um, you know, I feel like as a group we got a really strong group. But um, I just go out there, do my job, do what i got to do. The rest will take care of itself. So. How, how critical is uh, pass protection, do you think, in winning the job and such what looks like maybe a close competition? And where yeah. do you stand on that, and, and, and especially compared to the other guys? Yeah, I mean that's you got to be all down every down back, so that's a big that's a big part of it, um, and it's something I worked on throughout this off season. And um, you know, I don't I don't know what compared to the other guys, but it's something that I I'm, I've been working on to fix. So how do you work? How do you work on that? Um, punching, punching bags, boxing. I did boxing this off season just to work on my punch timing, uh, different things like that. You know, everybody's different, but that's what I, I try to working on to help me. I love hearing the ending. 
because I was literally, at, I was like thinking to myself, like, how the hell is he going to be a better blocker, right? Like, this is the NFL. You've been playing this your whole life. Like, you either can do that or, like, it's like a fundamental, right? Like, you either can or you cannot. And when you're running back, you're not really responsible for that too often because you're used to just getting the rock. But I love hearing that you took boxing. I love that you're working on the timing of, of your punches or the, the contact that you're making with these guys. Like, that makes sense to me. And now I'm cheering for you a little bit harder than I was four minutes ago because I genuinely do not think he will be the starting running back. Hmm. Who do you think it's going to be? Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman, without question. Okay. I think it's going to be Khalil Herbert. Um, I got into this debate with Josh Schrock over at NBC. He thinks it's going to be Roshan Johnson. No way. As I said, I said no way. No, I think it's Khalil Herbert all the way. And then I think he'll start. I think he'll be starting week one for sure. Who Herbert? Herbert. Oh, so you do think he's going to be the starter then? He will not have more carries than Dante Foreman by the end of the season. You could not have rolled your eyes deeper into your head just now because I was trying to think. I was trying to. I realized what I was saying was he's going to oh, start the I got season. You. I got you. I got you. But he's not going to. Ha- I thought you were rolling your eyes at me, but no, you were no, you were no, trying to get not. you reset yourself. Yeah. I got you. He's going to be the yeah. more productive back. Interesting. I disagree. I, I love that we're having this. Is yeah. I disagree. We can do a little yeah, gentleman's yeah, I love this. bet, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think Khalil Herbert. I mean, Khalil Herbert. What did he average last year? He like one of the five best yards. Of, I mean, he was terrific at that. And the the, the notion that somehow. Like you got to figure out, like if he's your best running back, you got to figure out a way to compensate for his lack of blocking ability. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right. like you, like somehow, like Khalil Herbert can't be the every down back well because he can't block. Figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Because there's nobody uh, in this running back's room who is Walter Payton. You know what I mean? And, and I think Herbert, I think he's the best of the bunch. And the idea that people are just like lost faith in him because he can't block. Figure it out. Figure it out. Last cut. Do we? Have, yeah, we have time. Yeah. Um, sure. This is Travis Smith. He is the defensive line coach. We got a chance to talk to all the defensive assistants yesterday. And this was a really interesting little conversation that was being had with Travis Smith, uh, me, and some of the other reporters out at Hallis Hall. And what good are the OTAs with no pads, no nothing? What are we looking at, Travis Smith? The best thing about this tempo is, though, with no pads are, you really see the true athletes show up, especially for the guys with size. Are they going to stay on their feet? Are they going to be able to play with good pad level? Are they going to be able to hold their gap and play on their side of the line of scrimmage? But while working together with the offense, that's some athleticism. Right now, if you're a big guy and you're on the ground or you're not keeping your gap or you're looking like a fish out of water, well, that's a problem. Because it's not like you put the pads on and say, oh, I'll be fine on the pads on. No, you got to be able to do it right now with speed with no pads. Regards to that, how have Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens specifically, rookies, done in that? They, they've been they've been doing good. They've come their system. What they're coming from is a little bit different to what we do, and so they're small steps each day we're trying to make. So they've been showing uh, they've been showing that they can take what we talk about in the meeting, what we study on tape, and take it out to the field. Uh, we just want to make sure that it's consistent and it's we're not taking two steps forward, two steps back. It's improvement every day, and that's what we got to make sure we see with not just those two, but with the whole group too, and Travis Bell. I mean, I love that because I remember Clay Harbour was saying that, like you know, when you got no no gear on, it's just the athletes come out, the athletes are out, the speed is there. So, I mean, I love your follow up question with Javon Dexter and Pickens because they're big dudes. So you want to see if they're athletic. Um, were you satisfied with his answer? Yeah, that was a really interesting answer. I honestly had not thought of it that way, 
and it's good to have something else to to really look at. I just think too, like with the the Zach Pickens and, and Javon Dexter, as we were talking about with Patrick Finley earlier, there is a lot of pressure on these guys this year because of the lack of guys, edge rushers getting to the quarterback and they're just trying to undo their college system habits at this point. So I was satisfied with it, but I just, I don't know if it's the proper amount of pressure that's being put on Pickens and and, uh, Dexter at this point. All right. We're going to talk a little bit more about the newest defensive tackles of the Chicago bears in the eight o'clock hour. I do want to circle back to the the running back conversation. Um, I, I just looked up some stats, and there's one running back for the Chicago Bears that has the most receptions, and it's not Khalil Herbert, and it's not Dante Foreman. Mm. Uh, but we'll, we'll discuss some some running backs on the other side and get into the defensive tackle position as well as uh, we have another hour before we get up out of here. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's Mark Grody. It's 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.